All right, welcome back to the Biblos Network. We are so glad that you have decided to join us today. I trust that you are enjoying the blessings and the favor of God where you are, wherever you are listening to Biblos. Um, God's doing great things. He's doing it here in Durham. I'm trusting God he's doing it there where you are because it is a great day to be apostolic. And um, this is an apostolic hour. This is a time for people to celebrate the oneness of God, the true gospel of the apostles that they earnestly contended for and that the Bible says it was once delivered to the saints. It was not delivered multiple times throughout the dark ages, but it was once delivered uh, by Peter on the day of Pentecost, and we have earnestly contended for it up to this day. So that's what Biblos is about, is contending for that, falling in love with that, and celebrating that. And so praise God, God's good. It is an honor and a delight to have with us here Brother Kelly Nix from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to Biblos. I'm honored to be here. Yes, sir. I'm glad you could come up. I've, I've been there with you in San Antonio, and I've seen the great church that you pastored doing a great work down there, and you just made your way up here to Durham to this neck of the woods. Yes, sir. <laughs> came up for some Spanish speaking in Durham. That's exactly right. So this week is, um, for those of you that don't know it, it is Hope Corps here in Durham, Spanish ITW Intensive Training Week, where people from all over the nation, um, in some cases around the world, come and they have an intensive training session with um, great Spanish leaders. You are one of those leaders, but the Galindo is another, uh, but the Julio May is another. And so this has been very, very effective in reaching and training apostolic Hispanics. Yes, it has. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that strikes people is that you are a white-skinned man that is has speaks this beautiful Spanish, <laughs> and people go, "Wait, what?" <laughs> the skin is the only thing white I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we were just talking. You speak also speak Portuguese. Yes, sir. Okay. So, for those that don't know, where did the Spanish come from, and where did the Portuguese come from? Well. The Spanish came from Peru. I was born in Peru uh, over half a century ago. Oh, isn't back that the terrible? Isn't black that, and white. Yeah. <laughs> That's so bad to hear it that way. Yeah. So I guess I, I, I grew up speaking probably archaic Spanish just based on my age. Yeah, the, the Reina Valera. Right, right. <laughs> and then uh, uh, there was a long and winding road that... Uh, led me from there to Central America, to uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, finally to San Antonio, Texas. My, my, when I was still living at home as a teenager, my dad moved the family to Texas, and uh, we started a church there. Uh, was that in San Antonio? It was in San Antonio. Okay. Met my wife there, and uh, a few years after that, we went back to the mission field. Uh, but uh, we went to the other other side of South America, okay. to Brazil. To Brazil. So that's, so that's where the Portuguese came in. That's where the Portuguese came in. Wow. You know, people forget that the Portuguese, they were a dominant world power at Absolutely. one time. Over half of the population of South America speaks Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah, we had um, Brother Alviar uh, preach for us in, in um, Fort Myers years ago. And he speaks Portuguese. Yes. But he doesn't speak Spanish. Right. 
And so I, I was saying, would you like to preach in our Spanish service? He said, no, no, I would not. I would not like that. <laughs> you know, the, the two translator. They're, they're confusingly uh, similar. Yeah. And so it can be a real struggle to move from one language to the other. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Tougher on the, on the hearers probably than on the speaker. Yeah. And if you're not used to that and the nuance that's associated with that, even in Spanish itself, the, the nuance and subtlety of the language. Right. You know, right. I remember trying to understand back when I was really trying to learn the language. Um, I would try to understand people and people from Colombia had a sound. People from Honduras had a sound, Absolutely. but people from Cuba, it was like, yeah, are we, yeah. am I, what am I hearing here? This is like a machine gun I'm talking to. There's definitely not a one size fits all Spanish. Every, every, every Spanish speaking country maintains that they speak pure Spanish and uh, yeah. every other country laughs at whichever country maintains that while yeah. maintaining that themselves. <laughs> and so the accents are, uh, are varied and uh, I've been to, to Cuba a couple of times and the accent is so different from where I'm from yeah. that uh, uh, when, I, when I'm speaking with someone from Cuba and they're speaking to me with the awareness that I'm not from Cuba, we communicate just fine. But uh, when, when they begin to speak among themselves, I just sit back and pick up about 30%. I can only imagine. <laughs> They're so fast. <laughs> Very fast. They're so, so rapid fast. fire. And just, just a different accent from, from, from the Peruvian accent. Mm -hmm. uh, very markedly different. So. Yeah. In Fort Myers, there was a lot of Puerto Ricans. And there was so much English mixed in there, so much slang mixed in there. Right. That it was hard for me to find out what was what. And Absolutely. Yeah, After a while, you just join them and you just mix everything up and everybody <laughs> understands each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great gift to have I think it takes people by surprise you know I mean obviously your folks were missionaries the Nix family right. renowned for their mission work uh, in Peru and, and South America um, where were you at in Central America Costa Rica in Costa Rica yes sir okay yeah two years back from 1983 to 1985 wow so the world wasn't completely in black and white but it was still in magenta at that point yeah it was so. yeah yeah that's funny well so now you're in San Antonio, church is going well. Um, you moved from the, when I was with you last time. Yes. You're, in a, you're in a new location now. Did you say you were getting ready to start a building program? Is that what you're? Well, we're, 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 we're tossing that around. We haven't formally started any plans to build, but uh, we're recognizing, and, and it's a good problem, thank God. Yeah. But uh, we're recognizing we'll be having to make that decision here in the next near future it's a lot to bite off it is a lot to bite and off. you look at it you know it's like you're standing at a cliff and you're like do i want to jump off this cliff and jesus is this you or is this i lost about 30 pounds during our last major uh building slash remodel program yeah. oh, i'm not yeah. saying that would hurt me now maybe that's probably maybe that would be a good thing yeah. i could do but <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i get it well you know here in durham we've contended heavily for spanish ministry and um, tabernacle de vida is a is a strong Spanish church, and Pastor Galindo is doing a great job. And him and Julio May really, I think, are kind of leading the charge in North America. For they are the cutting edge of the Spanish work in, in America, and that's not to diminish the efforts of any other pastors, but uh, they have they have set the standard really for excellence, uh, and they brought a lot of of, of real paradigm shifts uh, to. Uh, the Spanish work in, in, in North America that I think uh, are nothing short of revolutionary. Yeah. Well, one of the things that hold it all together and that we all have in common is we have been able to 
um, demystify or um, destigmatize academia. Yes. Um, so you believe in academics. Absolutely. You have a Bible college. Yes, sir. It has curriculum. Absolutely. Get a degree. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, Brother Glendo does as well. You know, he has his doctorate. Um, do you, are you a master's? Are you a doctor? Doctorate. You are a doctor. What is your doctorate in? Business administration. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I remember you told me that. Well, I'm the junior on the block here, but I believe in academia. Absolutely. You know, so many, so many of our elders didn't, or, or maybe it's that they didn't believe in it. It's that they were concerned by what they saw. They send a kid off to college, and, and this can happen today. You send them off into a secular university where they have a liberal agenda, and they are determined to indoctrinate Absolutely. on those campuses. Now, now high school and Even grade school. Earlier, yeah. 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 Kindergarten. There's stuff coming as, down the pipe as now. As soon as they can communicate, they're being indoctrinated. Is that insane? It's, it's absolutely terrifying. Activist educators... That's what the educational system has become, is activism. Yeah. And, and very carefully planned activism. This is not an accident uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. It's a very well-executed strategy. And there's always the who. Who is the nameless entity that floats behind the scene, that pushes this agenda? I know we have, um, there, there are corporate interests. It, well, first of all, if you just follow the money, um, one gender reassignment surgery is well over a million dollars. Right. And then the continuum of care following that is millions of dollars. So if you just follow the money trail. We've just created a category of wealth that didn't exist ah, a few years ago. Yeah, you've created permanent lifelong patients, or you might call them addicts, that, they, that will need that to Absolutely. maintain. And if you do that to millions and millions of people, you've created trillions of dollars. of Absolutely. You know, I, w I was born uh, under communism. At, at, at that time, Peru was under communist rule. Really? So seeing a lot of the things that we see happening here in America, uh, it's very familiar. Wow. And, and you ask, you know, who's behind it? Well, I, I don't know. I, I think we can safely say that, that the, the controlling factors are spiritual. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the heart of communism was godlessness. And 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 uh, an anti-God uh, agenda, mm -hmm. and we've seen that infiltrate. And, and and we were warned in the middle of last century that the educational system would be the vehicle through which uh, communism, or at least uh, communist philosophies, almost like a neo-communism, yeah, neo-Marxism, yeah. I think we're living in the in the time of neo everything from conservatism to to Marxism, and and. And uh, all of those neo movements kind of have fingerprints of some of the same actors, mm -hmm. uh, even if they're from different ends of the spectrum. And I'm speaking spiritually. Yeah, and neo just means the new version of a exactly. light version or a derivative of exactly. Um, and so uh, the whole agenda of of godlessness, uh, I, I think, is the reaction of the human spirit to spiritual authority. Mm. Um, if we can, if we can deny the existence of God, we no longer have to worry about the authority of God. It's, it is a, it's coming to a, a climactic confrontation, a clash of worldviews. Um, you're either going to spring from a Judeo-Christian foundation or you're going to spring from a godless 
foundation. You're going to contend for one or the other. And really, it's Gog and Magog um, at the end of the day. And, and, you know, I've been surprised, um, not to to disagree with that at all, but I've been surprised at how how quiet the clash has been in -hmm. many cases. Um, Some things that you would expect to be earth-shaking, some things you would expect to... uh, to set every alarm bell off in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen American society capitulate to those things. And we've seen the people who professed a worldview that was different from mm-hmm. that. We've seen them just quietly roll over. Okay, so that's a very interesting point. Both of us are, we are conservative preachers. Both of us preach against television. Right. But the reasons might shock people. You know, because, of course, we're against any form of um, sinfulness, worldliness, which preachers, apostolic preachers have preached for many years. But from an educator's point of view, I mean, if you if you even if you removed the spiritual dynamics and the, the corrupting influence spiritually that Hollywood has on people, just from an education standpoint, it conditions us. It grooms society. Absolutely. The the homosexual agenda was advanced, and I've read many articles that you know Ellen DeGeneres and different ones who were very mainstream appeal, blonde hair, blue eyed, right. laughing, right. very genial, congenial people. And they've carefully chosen for their psychological impact um, to become the friend right. of everybody. Right. And and so when when the full when the when the light version shows up, it's a friend. It's a friendly face. It's mock. It's it's laughing. It's it's, it's not a, a monster. It's not a monster. Yeah. But when the monster does show up, it's in the room before you ever know what's going on. Yeah. Absolutely. And and, and television. You made a very good point. Uh, leave all of the uh, objectionable content aside. And, and again, obviously, that is an issue, and and uh, it, it's an important issue, but. I think you're right that the issue is much deeper than that. It's the it's the lack of interactivity. Uh, it's the one-way street. Mm-hmm. It's the one-way conduit. Um, you have no opportunity to respond mm-hmm. to what's coming at you from television. Uh, it just continues to barrage you. You either turn turn it off, which most people don't do. Or it's a, or it's a never-ending assault. Right, or it's a never-ending assault. Uh, and, and I think that's a huge difference. Uh, I've, I've heard people ask, well, what's the difference between television and the Internet? I, I oh, that's a, a massive huge... difference between television and the Internet. <laughs> yes, you I can know. certainly find any any of the content of television on the Internet, and, and worse, mm-hmm. because I assume there's still at least a modicum of, of regulation mm-hmm. over what can come over a television set yep. uh, that is not in place on the Internet, at least negligibly if if at all yeah um but but i i liken the two to uh a journey down a highway uh you you might have a road that has no exits and its only destination is a brothel Ooh, that's good that's right, so good you get analogy. on that road you know that it's taking you to one certain place and there's no other legitimate reason to be there mm-hmm. then you have a road that its destination is a library mm-hmm. or a hospital, or mm-hmm. but it has many exits. Post office. And every mm-hmm. exit has something dangerous. Well, you can take that exit, and the danger is real. Yeah. 
but there's a legitimate reason to be on that highway. That's good. At the other end, it's very good. So uh, well said. Yeah. So I think I think television is is uh, a very carefully designed medium to uh, to indoctrinate. Well, that's indisputable. Have you ever have you ever read the collusion between uh, the CIA and um, executives from broadcast companies back in the forties? No. Oh man, it's a fascinating. I bet study. I got to look that up. Yeah, look it up. You know, they were they were starting to look into how to. Um, well, you know, Edward Bernays is the father of modern propaganda, and he was the one who really pushed advertising and and hidden messaging, the the positioning of the models, the, the colors that were used. They studied the colors to see which elicited what kind of a mood. Did it was it soothing? Was it aggression? Was it um, contemplation, introspection? What what colors that they would wear, uh, and they did exhaustive case studies on this. Well, they put all that to use and, and it, they found that it was the most powerful mass manipulative tool I believe it. at their disposal. Um, and it's a fascinating thing. All you gotta do is go to Google and type in CIA um, 1940s broadcast um, executives, you know, television, and you'll see. Um, oh, just take more recent issues, <clears throat> regardless of, of where anybody stands on, on, on the COVID vaccine regardless of their position for or against, it's indisputable that the media created the culture yeah. that turned anyone who disagreed with what was trying to be pushed, turned them into a uh, an irresponsible citizen. Uh, that narrative into, was pushed relentlessly. And so the media uh, conditioned society. The media set the talking points mm -hmm. for society. Uh, and and society is so accustomed to having its talking points set for it, we don't have to think anymore. All we have to do is is tune in to one side or the other, yep. and all our thinking is done for us. And that's that's just as true on the conservative side. Somebody sent me a clip of a COVID. Um, it was a COVID public announcement, and it was put out by MSNBC. It was put out by Fox. It was put out by CNN. It was put out by I mean, all of these major media outlets. And they took and stitched them all together. They, they put them all on the screen. It was the exact same statement. And they, they superimposed them on top of each other and put their voices together into this one wow. big voice. And it was, wow. it was at least 50, all of the news anchors. It was verbatim. Un unquestionable that's being fed from a common source. And so then you ask yourself again, who, who's the who? who? Who is the shadowy figure in the background? Right. And there is it's a governmental force. It's, it's, it's the spirit of Antichrist at work. But you know, you, you, you look at that and you see the power of that and you turn that around and uh, what we're doing right now and similar efforts have, uh, I think, a lot more power than any of us realize oh. to not just influence community has been influenced nations influence yeah. uh, I, I think uh, and I mentioned this on on, on Tuesday uh, we have we have adopted traditionally the loser mentality mm -hmm. we are the persecuted I'm speaking of believers we're the persecuted we're the uh, we're the tail and not the head mm -hmm. um, anything that can go wrong is going to go wrong for yes us. yeah and there's something spiritual about being poor and uh, Boy, suffering. 
Boy, it's the truth. And uh, you can make suffering into a false nobility. You absolutely can, a- and that's fine when, when you legitimately have to suffer. But there's <laughs> nothing about optional suffering that I find glorious. I'm not signing <laughs> up for this. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. And so, I think we underestimate the power of the church and the power of this message uh, in our day. And, and, and if we're not careful, we slip into a survivalist mode where mm-hmm. we're content just to not let truth die out. Um, oh, just man. to somehow, you know, I, I, and it was, I think, your granddad who used to, used to say, uh, I've heard him say to many different conferences, uh, how much he disliked the song, Hold the Fort for I Am Coming. Yeah. Uh, because it, it projected that mentality yeah. is we're on the defensive and we're just trying to not lose ground. And I don't see that as being the objective. I, I do understand that there's tough times and, and persecution is real. Uh, we probably haven't seen the half of what we're going to see in, in America. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I, I think the moment we adopt the attitude that we're just holding territory, yeah, we've shot ourselves in the foot. So I, I won't go down this rabbit trail, but later on we need to talk a little bit more because a part of this is found in our eschatology. Uh, there's a modern strain of eschatology that basically says the church is barely going to scrape into heaven. Yeah. They're going yeah. to have both eyes black. They're yeah. going to be just beaten. Drag across death. the finish oh, line. If they yeah. make it that far. Yeah. You know, just barely fall across the finish right. line. And I could not disagree more. I believe in revival. I, you know, when, when he said occupy till I come, it literally means do business till Absolutely. I come. And that defeatist mindset, it breaks my heart. And it is part of why we do what we do here at Biblos. Because when nobody says anything, then you get the idea that apostolics can't articulate it or they're uneducated. Yeah. yeah. You're a brilliant man, Brother Galindo's a brilliant man. I'm working my way up to I, a I little extra learning <laughs> myself. <laughs> you're way way above where I am. And if if my children and my grandchildren are going to be spoken to by false prophets and by compromisers and by and we're just going to sit here and go, oh, not another one. Oh, what's yeah, the world coming yeah. to? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, absolutely. There's got to be a voice that rises up. I, I preached the message last year. Um, kind of took me by surprise because I had never really looked into the subject. And I want to preface this by saying I am absolutely 100% not a uh, Dominion theologist kingdom now. Mm-hmm. So I don't want what I'm going to say to be mistaken for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't understand the kingdom. That's exactly right. Because we think of the kingdom as a future thing. Mm. Um, but Jesus said the kingdom of God is, is, is in your hearts. That's exactly right. Um, and he prayed, he said, we should be praying thy kingdom come. Yes. Now I, I, I don't see that we're going to be taking over the, the world's political systems. See, that's dominion theology. Yeah, yeah. Dominion theology says we're going to use politics right. to win the law. And we don't need that. No, we, we have an authority that supersedes all of that. That's it. Paul so, did not change Rome by becoming a senator. Right. right. But there is a kingdom of God that is a real kingdom. That's it, brother. We don't have to bring that and, and, and encase it in the world's systems. Uh, his system is far better than anything the world's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Anything we have is a poor imitation. But his kingdom has authority. His kingdom has governance. His kingdom has 
citizenship. His kingdom has all of these things. And, and he told us to pray for his kingdom to come. Mm. And his kingdom comes when his will is being done in earth as it is in heaven. So you've got to back up and ask yourself, well, to what degree of perfection is the will of God being done in heaven? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and is heaven a poor place? And is heaven in a struggle? Mm. Mm. Uh, so if he wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, there is a spiritual way to accomplish that. That's it. And, and, and no, we're not going to take over Washington. We're not going to take over those places. All, all, all of that stuff is, is no. going to fall by the wayside. Yep. Uh, but we don't have to wait uh, until some nebulous day in the future to experience kingdom authority. Well, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. You know, he said it's at hand. It's at hand. And uh, it's within you. Right. And the, when, when Daniel saw it, it struck the image and it became a mountain and it grew until it filled the whole earth. Right. But that's not falling off and tapering off and barely making it. It fills the whole no. earth. And it, the, the, it, if we want to put it this way, the disciples were somewhat dabbling in kingdom or dominion theology. They didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. They were just looking at it from the perspective of, hey, the Romans are, yeah, you're are here on now. the throne and, yeah. okay, let's get this taken care of. Yeah. And he resoundingly rejected that. He, yes. he didn't give that the time of day. His objective was not to come and sit on the emperor's throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a much bigger purpose than that. And so he, he told them, look, put, put, your, put your thoughts of national dominance on the, on the back burner. Yes. If my uh, kingdom were of this world, yeah. my servants would fight for it. Yeah. And that, that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. But I am here for a kingdom. And that kingdom is not going to take 2,000 years to ignite. That, that kingdom was birthed. He spoke in present terms. Yes. And, and uh, I, I don't see where the devil has dominance over God's kingdom. Mm-mm. No. It's the one place he doesn't. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that scripture, Matthew 16. Yeah. Growing up, I always thought the gates were going to chase me. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> All these terrible gates are just chasing right. me out and right. prevailing. Beware the me. gates. <laughs> and the truth is, earth is heaven's colony. Earth is coming into, or heaven is coming into this world. And the model is Joshua at Canaan. Yeah. You know, as he looks across the Jordan River, he sees Jericho. He sees the gated uh, city, the walls of Jericho. And when he stands outside there, those gates will not prevail right. against us. Right. And so his gradual movement into Canaan becomes the model that we have. And except we're standing outside hell. Yeah. And we're saying this kingdom was taken from Adam. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Absolutely right. And we will inhabit this land. We will take this Absolutely land by right. the grace of God. And it won't be through worldly methods. It no. won't be through Hollywood. We're not going to make Christian movies and um, become, you know, apostolic presidents. Right. No, that's not what we're after. Nope. When his kingdom comes, he'll be on the throne. That's it. Yeah, we won't have to deal with, with And the it will be system. the final culmination of his kingdom. Absolutely. So the kingdom's at work until Jesus Christ, his sure. bodily but return. But the business of the kingdom is happening. It's happening. The kingdom has armies. There, there are angelic hosts that are yes. a reality. That's not, that's not creepiness. No. That's, that's the reality of the unseen kingdom. And so uh, while, while we see the, the tip of the spear, which is the, 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 the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God, there is something much bigger that we're a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why uh, Elisha prays, open his eyes. Yeah. Well, those angels didn't appear at the moment that, that Elisha prayed that prayer. They were already there doing business. Yes, that's It so was good. just the humanity that didn't see what God was doing. You ever read where, well, I know you've read it, but 
I had never really felt the full impact of this when David prayed, Lord, should I go up? And he had done that multiple times. God said, yes, go up. I will deliver the enemy into your hands. But this time, David said, shall I go up? He said, no, go down by the mulberry trees. And when you hear the sound of a going, well, that sound of a going, I always thought, what is the sound of a going? And I went and I read it in several different versions. And the idea there, the Hebrew idea, it was the, it was the, marching of angelic feet Absolutely. through the tops of the trees. Absolutely. So David was basically saying, let me get in sync with heaven's armies yep. Yep. And, and I'll win this battle. And, and you talk about the power of heaven's armies. Uh, certainly, um, I, I don't want to infer things in that, that aren't God's intent. But just, just looking at the numbers, the angel of the Lord comes into the enemy camp and in one night, one angel kills over 180,000 yeah. soldiers. Yeah. We, we greatly underrate the power of the angelic host. Oh, that's it. So uh, he, he said he could call uh, 12,000. Yeah, 12 legions. Mm -hmm. So when you start doing the math, if one angel of the Lord can walk, uh, walk it through a camp and kill 180,000 in one night. What could? <laughs> absolutely. So we're, we're not on the losing side. We could sum that up by saying we're not on the losing side. And the Bible's replete with that. Absolutely. So I love that. It is so true. And I think apostolics feel like they're being backed into a corner sometimes, and, and they don't. They don't need to feel that way. If they will fight for excellence, and, and again, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Right. So we're not stockpiling munitions. Right. We're not, you know, building up rations for when it all goes down. Survivalism, yep. yep. <laughs> I, I, I told a guy one time, he was, he was kind of from that way of thinking he thought you know we got to get ready because when the government comes we got to be ready to fight and i said how long would yeah. you last against seal team six yeah i i give you 4.6 seconds of roughly yeah about, about, about as long as it takes them to sight in yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and with the way we gain weight we we're more like meal team six yeah yeah absolutely they, they, they wouldn't really have trouble uh, fighting it on me. No, no. Yeah. Nice big targets. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but the, Absolutely. the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty through God. They've always been mighty through God. Um, the, the world lightly esteems them. Prayer, um, worship, um, the gospel, the word of God. That's what changes the world. Uh, you know, Alexander, Napoleon, all the, all the world leaders that have come and gone, have all fallen before the power of the Word of God. Yes. And yes. where are they at? And where is Jesus Christ at? And, you know, just as important as, as what you brought up about uh, marching in sync with Heaven's Army, it's just as important that we realize uh, because we are in a time of discovery, we are in a time of eye-opening, and, and we're, we're seeing things that we didn't see or understand before, such as the power of education mm. um, when properly used. I think we have to be just as careful to be sensitive to where we shouldn't go mm. because there are many opportunities and many invitations to go in different directions. And if you look at, uh, at Balaam, one of the most fascinating stories of, of a man disregarding the direction of the Holy Ghost as to where he shouldn't go. Wow. And so... The servants of Balak come to Balaam, and uh, they they offer him money, and he goes and he prays, and God says, "Don't go." Don't go. 
they offer him a little more money, and, and he, he goes, goes back and says, again. again. Yeah. And this time, with no argument, God said, sure, go. Mm-hmm. But when he went. But when he went. The Lord's anger was kindled. Exactly right, because what God was saying was, I don't have to tell you twice. Mm-hmm. So if you come back the second time to ask me to change what I said the first time, I'm going to let you go and do whatever you want. Okay, to do. have it's you ever, be your own destruction? Have you ever tied that to, because they received not the love of the truth, that Ab- God absolutely. sent them, God Himself, a strong delusion? Yes, uh, that that was not the enemy that sent the strong delusion. It was a God who was angry at uh, at a lack of appreciation. Yeah, for truth. Uh, he had already yeah. told him no. Because of money, and, and, and I think the scripture calls it running greedily after the error of reward. Right. Um, and so God says, okay, go. So God will send you something to see what you're going to do with it. Absolutely. And if you can't love truth, yeah, there's one thing that God cannot take, and, and we see that clearly in his letters to the churches. Uh, he hates indifference. Hmm. Lukewarm. Yes. Passion. Uh, he would rather you be passionate for falsehood than indifferent to truth. Wow. And so uh, God is not content that, to let that you sit in indifference. Preached. That needs to be preached. Yeah. He, he will, <laughs> if you can't love truth, he'll send you something you can love. That's so good. I, I knew a preacher who was a friend of my grandfather's. I wouldn't call his name, but he was well-known. And that preacher began to allow worldliness in. He stopped preaching holiness and separation. He stopped preaching the physical things that we preach that manifest spiritual problems that manifest physically, um, standards of, of lifestyle, holiness, that have been preached for many, many years that protect a people. Right. And even though people rail against standards today, we preach standards because we do have standards that help hold us accountable. We have something to protect. If you have nothing to protect, you're not particularly worried about having protections in place or not. Yeah, build a wall. Yeah. We just did a session with with, with a shine daddy. He talked about the walls. It It was good. Anyway, this man said, he said, Brother Urshan, the Lord has told me that this is right. And he laid out his case for why he felt like he was right. And he said, and I was there and the Lord spoke as clearly as he's ever spoken to me. And my grandfather began to weep. And he said, I've known you for 50 years. And he said, I believe with all my heart the Lord spoke to you. Yeah. And it is a delusion. Yeah, absolutely. And you're being taken by absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, my, my brother, I've got credit where credit's due. This, this is not original with me. But uh, he pointed out something very um, interesting about about Ezekiel's vision of the temple. Mm. Uh, Even at the time that the worshipers of the sun and those who wept for Tammuz and uh, all those that are named in that vision, even at the time that they were occupying the temple and doing what they were doing there, the glory of the Lord was in the temple and it was moving. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was moving towards the door. Hmm. It was moving out. Oh, wow. And so 
a lot of times people are deceived by the fact that the glory of the Lord is so evident or the presence of God still moves when wrong decisions and wrong directions have been taken. Well, God's still blessing. God's still filling people with the Holy Ghost. God's still moving, and so we must be okay. Hmm. And uh, we're not sensitive to the fact that he is moving. He's just moving out. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Well, here we are, and one of the things that I love about you, and you preached here um, two nights ago. Two uh, nights, yeah. I'm losing track of time. It longer than that, but it was just two <laughs> nights ago. And, and it was such a great message. Thank you. The way you handled it, and it's one of the things I love about people who are thinking this way, who are prayerfully investigating the Word of God, and, and they are proclaiming it. You grabbed a hold of a topic that is a very natural topic, a riverbed. And you took that topic and extrapolated spiritual principles out of it that we were riveted and the Holy Ghost moved in a powerful way. Amen. So applicable, um, but it was the, the connection between the natural world and the spiritual world that really caught people. And I love that. I, I love that using that usage of those physical principles with those spiritual principles and it just resonates versus um just parroting cliches and right, right. Um, getting people worked up and i like the digging into the word and pulling the principles out making it relative bringing revelation to the people i think that explodes with knowledge and light and edification and it propels you into a love for the things of God. It does. Well, you could have preached another hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's, there's more truth in poetry than that. I'm a Nick, so I could have preached another hour. <laughs> you know, Paul, Paul said that in Romans one. Yes. He said that creation reveals the yes. invisible things of God. Yep. Yes. And so if God engineered this world, why wouldn't he build it in such a way that it revealed him? And, and Jesus himself, when he went to teach, he, yeah. would, he would go to the natural. He would go to the natural world. He talked about mustard seeds, talked about fig trees. Uh, he reached into nature to illustrate powerful spiritual truths. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, th I think the Word of God, well, it's alive. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm completing my 33rd time to read the Bible through this year. Wow. And I know there are folks out there, many who have read it many more times than that. But uh, I never cease to be amazed at how new it is every time, every time. and how much new knowledge there is to be gleaned from it. Um, and, and I think study is, is uh, you know, making a big circle back to what we started talking about and, and the fact that uh, we're seeing a new appreciation for, for education. Education can be uh, a big negative. It can, it can be... It can be dangerous. There's we we discussed that. There's we know that there's an agenda in in the the uh, world's educational system. But mm -hmm. but that doesn't the fact that something has been appropriated and being misused doesn't mean that 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 medium is necessarily cursed. Yeah. Um, and so the value of of delving into education is anybody who has has studied and then has moved into an advanced degree and then has moved because it's a, it's a bad habit. It's an addiction that gets a hold of you. 
you fat yeah, one. You say, well, you know, like, just, like potato chips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> guys, just got another, you know, another few more months of this, and I can have that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and, and and you don't walk out of that educational experience with all the knowledge in the world living in your head. If anything, you walk out of that realizing how little you actually know. Yeah. Um, I I feel more intimidated in the presence of of brilliant and, and educated people now than I did before I ever went to school mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I understand that, okay, so I've got a few years of, of, of study. Um, I know so little yeah. after a few years of study that I hate to even open my mouth in an mm. educated company. Uh, but uh, but it, what, it's, what it did for me, um, it changed the way that I preach profoundly for, for good. Um, in the sense that uh, it teaches you to think conceptually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it teaches you the need for validation and substantiation of any claims that you're going to make. There are a lot of claims made across pulpits that if they were pressed for substantiation, uh, we'd have an emergency on our hands. <laughs> Uh, and 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 it's well-meaning. I don't think any anybody that I know of, at least in the apostolic movement, gets in the pulpit with the intent to deceive or or mislead or not at all. But it happens, mm-hmm. and it happens innocently because we don't know what we're supposed to know. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I now take as as truth what I heard from someone I consider to be a respectable source. And I said respectable, not reliable, because I really don't know how to measure reliability in a source. Mm -hmm. And so I go by my level of respect for that individual. Uh, Maybe not considering the fact that they may have obtained that information the very same way that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I, I think through godly education, I know the term hermeneutics has has been frowned on uh, to some degree in some circles of Pentecost, but uh, if we're going to get in a pulpit and we're going to we're going to preach it, we got to get it right. Absolutely. And the only way we can avoid the the spiritual condition of Israel in the time of the judges, where every man did what was right in his own eyes, is mm-hmm. we've got to have a set of rules and laws that that we commonly agree to to recognize and adhere to, and they have to be authoritative mm-hmm. over us, and, uh, and that's our protection against against going off into false doctrine and going off into error. Yes. Um, and, and uh, you know, v- teaching the necessity of good study um, is what's, I think, going to preserve the apostolic movement and not just preserve it but cause us to prosper because people gravitate to truth and people gravitate to a good presentation of truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the criticism that has been leveled at, at apostolics from Trinitarians is richly deserved. Yes. Um, we sometimes carelessly or casually make statements about the Godhead mm-hmm. that are, uh, and again, it's it's done innocently and 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 in ignorance. And I, again, I, I don't use that term to look down on anybody. I just mm-hmm. mean the lack of knowledge. Um, but they they border on heresy. Yes. And and uh, so then we complain because Trinitarians criticize us for 
poor theology, mm-hmm. but we've given them the the, uh, the ammunition for that. We've yeah. given them the fodder for that. And so we can do better than that. Much better. We will do better than that. Uh, and I'm, I'm encouraged now coming back in a full circle to, to what we talked about when we opened up as well, which is the reason I'm in town is uh, the Spanish Intensive Training Week and, and what's happening in, in, in the uh, Hispanic uh, apostolic movement uh, here in America, and I, and I see it spreading to the rest of the world. But uh, I am so incredibly excited to see the, the caliber of leaders that are coming out of churches like TDV and, yeah. and TVC in Memphis. And, um, because of the vision of those pastors Mm -hmm. uh and and i i commented on this to our students this week so don't don't take this wrong um but there's been a great vacuum there's been a great absence of ethnic leaders in the apostolic church that's it and i said that's not i don't believe that's because the apostolic church has imposed any kind of a ceiling on that it's been a self-imposed barrier you mentioned this the other day to me yeah and uh, uh, I'm thankful that our young Hispanic leaders, our young black leaders, young Asian leaders, uh, et cetera, are feeling part of, of the church, not part of a fringe group of the church, not part of a, a, a subculture of the church, mm. but we're realizing that the church is bigger than any one culture or ethnicity, and every one of us, is blood bought into that church and and has full standing and so um we're seeing great leaders being born uh i think of brother angel mm-hmm. Aurelius, who who is uh, a tremendous preacher and mm-hmm. um he's 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 uh finding a place on the national stage i see brother isaac hernandez from rosenberg texas if mm-hmm. you haven't had him preach for you you need to get with isaac hernandez here okay he is a an incredible young man uh, predicador. Sí, predicador de la verdad. <laughs> uh, the, the, it's so encouraging uh, to see Brother Cornelius Williams, mm-hmm. to see Brother Victor Jackson, yep. um, who in the world, these men are still categorized in subcultures. Mm-hmm. The church has broken that barrier. It has. And, and it's an exciting time to be alive, to see leaders coming out of all these communities. They're authoritative, yeah. they're anointed, they're knowledgeable. Um, God's, doing, God's up to something. I have contended that before there was an MLK, there was a G.T. Haywood. Yes. And we give such credit to MLK for um, his progress in civil rights, and, and he obviously is an American icon, and people look to him for that social progressivism. But G.T. Haywood died in the early 1930s. Right. And in the 1920s, he had a completely integrated church, both white people and black people. In a time when that was unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah. And a thousand people. Yeah. And so you had, um, a, there'd be a black man and his wife, and there'd be a white man and his wife, and the white guy would be in overalls, and the black man would be in a suit and a hat. Mm-hmm. And they would be standing side by side, and there's G.T. Haywood with his Bible under his arm, and he's he's right out in front of everybody. And he's he's become known as as one of the greatest teachers, and his songs yeah are sung in congregations of all colors. So, 
what happened? Where, where'd that go? Well, what wound up happening is it got swept up in the, the split, the racial dynamics that the United States got caught up in, and he died at a young age. He died in his 50s, 52, I think he was, something like that. And um, at that young age, he impacted the world yes. in such a mighty way. Yes. And, well, it got lost in the shuffle. You know, uh, different apostolic groups arose, and because of the pressure of the times, convenience, segregation, you know, you know, brethren, we think it might be just for wisdom's sake. Yeah. If they had just held to right. that right. course right. of, they, who knows if the apostolics wouldn't have been the ones that yeah, took Well, that, the that's forefront. a perfect example of, of the kingdom of God and how the church is at the cutting edge. We're not, we're not following behind. We're not reactionary. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be. Sometimes we are. But ideally speaking, we're not reactionary. And that was, that's a, a window into an opportunity that we had as a church mm-hmm. to blaze the trail. And the trail was being blazed. It was. Uh, you, you go back all the way to uh, Azusa. Azusa shocked the world. Right, right. And so uh, now you've got a black man going to a white Bible college. And then going to uh, L.A. and seeing revival break out amongst all ethnicities, mm-hmm. and and uh, and the Holy Ghost experience going out to the world uh, from that location. Yep. Um, so it, it troubles me because in a lot of areas I see the church lagging behind. Yeah. And allowing society to dictate what the what positions the church can or can't take. Mm. Uh, about the value of human beings created in the image of God. Boy, that's and, you know, and it troubles me as well when, uh, when, when we use euphemisms and we soft pedal and uh, we talk about God being colorblind. God's not colorblind. Colorblindness is a deficiency. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with God. He made the colors. He made the colors. He did it on purpose. Yeah. We don't know all the, all those. I'd be fascinated to know the story of creation up close. And, and, but we know that he built into the human uh, genome. genome, Right. He he built into human beings the ability to have uh, micro evolution, not macro. Yeah. Micro evolution. Yeah. um, Adaptation to, to uh, their surroundings, their circumstances. And, and we see the Tower of Babel, and I'm, I'm certainly not a geneticist by any stretch of the imagination. I do have thoughts on the issue, and that's all that I present this as. But I see, I see Babel as being the, the point of divergence uh, of people who now go to live in, in geographically isolated areas where their only connection is language. Yeah. And, and so naturally they begin to marry yeah. among themselves. And Men, naturally Mendelian gen- exactly. genetics take over. And exactly. And so and we see those are fragile enough that uh, if there if, if a marriage occurs between someone who's black and someone who's white, uh, depending on how their children marry, yeah. within three to four generations, it you re- can see it, one you're side of that erased. That's exactly completely. right. So um uh, you know, I, I, I think I think God's purpose in creating the diversity he's created is because, as I mentioned on Tuesday night, that each one of us somehow, and each one of our differences somehow reflects a different aspect or facet of the glory of God. Um, and, and I think the church needs to stop being shy uh, about recognizing that, okay, race is not a valid scientific construct, but ethnicity is, yes. and culture is a reality. Yep. 
Uh, we don't need to tiptoe around these issues. We need to understand that, that there's a purpose. God has a purpose for every ethnic group. God has a purpose for every man and woman of every color that exists. And, and uh, it's a time to champion that. Mm. And, and sadly, the world has seen that before much of the church has. It's, it's, it is. It's disheartening to see that. Um, well, here, one of the things I wanted to do, I wanted to empower authentic ministry. And one of the things that I didn't want was for a Hispanic church to labor under an English paradigm. It's not native to them. It's not their, their fullest expression. I wanted to unleash that. And so it's hard to do that with headphones on. It's hard to do that. Yeah. That can work, yeah. you know, as a, an incubation chamber. You it's know. certainly not the ideal. No. Yeah. And, and flip it around and ask an English-speaking person to go sit in a Spanish-speaking congregation, put on scratchy headphones that you catch every fifth word, and then right. try to have revival with that. Right. It's just it's, it's amazing what God has done through those limited means, but by no means would anyone argue that's the ideal. Yeah. yeah. So once you, re- you unleash that into the world, well, you just start reaping harvest that is just unprecedented. And so I'm excited about it. Education plays a role in it. Um, entrepreneurship plays a role in it. Um, there's all these tools. We're living, we live in the United States of America. Yeah. And yeah. what an opportunity to just blast off. To, to, to borrow from, uh, from the words of the prophets, uh, whether, whether we want to make the stretch that, that we're the nation that we've referred to, this concept so applies. We are a golden cup in the Lord's hand. Absolutely. That the world drinks from. Absolutely. We, uh, our nation has been so greatly used of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why would we turn loose of that? Well, I, I firmly believe, you know, the United States and Israel and what I would say the Judeo-Christian mindset yeah. is really what we're talking about. Yeah. It's the nations that have followed and been heavily influenced by and modeled that Judeo-Christianism. Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. Oh, man. Well, happy, is, happy is that nation, I believe what it says. So yeah. the Bible says that, that Joseph was blessed, and in Genesis 49 it said that he would be a fruitful bough which goes over the wall. Right, right. And He's that, feeding others. And he went to the Gentiles. Yeah. So yeah. he goes into the courts of the Gentiles. He, he gets a place of prominence. He carves out a niche for God's people, and by his work saves the other arms of Israel. Right. Well, when I see that, I see um, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, there's one of the greatest shadows and types of Jesus Christ is Joseph. And he goes over the wall. He, at Cornelius' house, at the Samaritans, he goes over the wall. That wall was so formidable that Peter was terrified to face that Jewish right. council right. and tell him, I got oh, some yeah. bad news, yeah, guys. It's, it's a big deal. <laughs> they it's could a big deal. just like we did. <laughs> And so he goes over here. Well, fast forward. Um, United States, Britain, France, all these all these Judeo-Christianized countries at some point in time in history, even regardless of where they are now, that has been a heavily a heavy influence in, in them. Right. They have pushed for this excellence, and that's going in throughout the whole world. And it is almost blazing away for the gospel. Like the Romans built the roads sure. and the, the missionaries walked those roads to give the gospel. That is what this has done. <laughs> the, the, the king of Assyria was a tool in God's hands. Yeah, he got to enjoying what he was doing too much, but uh, God, God was using a Gentile nation yeah. for His purposes. 
I think that we underestimate that power in this day and this time. Absolutely. Um, well, by the grace of God, we're going to unleash it. We're going to preach it, teach it. Um, we're not going to fall into dominion theology right. and the pitfalls right. of that, but we are going to teach dominion. We teach the kingdom. Yeah. And Absolutely. And, and I think, I think uh, uh, TDV is a shining uh, testament to uh, the fact that, that your thinking is right. You're thinking down the right path because uh, you have not birthed a, a substandard church. No. TDV is a, is a cutting-edge congregation um, that uh, I am so proud uh, of what God is doing through uh, this new generation of Spanish churches who they get it. They get the excellence thing. They get the, uh, the education thing. And, and, and they haven't turned loose in any way of, of the need for the anointing and the power of God and truth. And holiness and separation. Holiness. Exactly. You'd be surprised. Well, maybe you wouldn't be surprised. You probably have seen it. The, there's a lot of criticism that's lobbied at us because we'll use a podcast. Yeah. We'll use this medium to communicate. Um, but again, the difference between television and the internet is a absolutely vast difference. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and there, there, there are no Budweiser ads on this podcast. And there's no Harvey Weinstein right. making the content. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so we control this content. We, we, we are, we do not have a, a secret agenda. The, the agenda is Jesus. Right. And we get, we get hundreds of messages every week from people saying, please don't stop. Please keep preaching. That's please. Awesome articulate this. I'm giving this to my friends. We, we have scores of young adults that come in and it's because somebody, and instead of handing them a card, they're, they're texting them a link yeah. and saying, yeah. you want to hear what we're about? Look at this. Absolutely. So by the way, that's just a little something for you guys to know. Biblos was partially designed so that you could just text the link to somebody. Um, text the link to your friends. If, if you want to tell them about the oneness of God, if you want to tell them about Jesus name baptism, and you, maybe you struggle with articulating it, you know what you want to say, but maybe you don't quite have it down yet. Text them the link and let them hear it because a reason, what, what did Isaiah say? Come now, let us reason together. Right. right. Let's sit down at the table. Let's speak of the great things of God. It's the Deuteronomy six mandate. It is. And, and, and the first preacher that I know to use, uh, the first new Testament preacher I know to use media was Paul himself. Hmm. He wrote a lot of what we read from prison cell. It sure went out did. to somebody where he wasn't. He sure did. <laughs> Praise God. I like it. Well, I know you've got service tonight and, and you've got ITW stuff to, to handle. So I'm honored that you could join us today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Amen. And we're going to be praying for the great work that you're doing. And thank you for being with us here at Biblos and here in Durham. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I've Amen. enjoyed it. Awesome. And to those of you that are watching this, I pray this is a blessing to you. Um, meditate on it, think about it, pursue excellence in, in your walk with God. You can do this. You can speak the word of God. You can teach that Bible study. You can pray like never before. You can understand the great things of God. You can start that business. You can get that certification or that degree, and you can be a world changer where you are. Do not doubt it. You are Abraham's child, and God has plans for you. So until next time, God bless you and God keep you and God cause his face to shine upon you.